Jairus was at a very difficult place in his life. I don't believe he had an only daughter about 12 years of age. The Bible doesn't tell us that he did not have sons, but it seems to indicate that. We know for sure this was his only daughter. And she was sick. And apparently he knew she was so sick that she was dying. If there's anybody that understands the pain of losing a child, an only child, it would be God. Amen? Jairus is devastated as his daughter is growing weaker and weaker. She's getting sicker and sicker. And he makes the decision to go and find Jesus. I believe this morning there are some of you here that you're probably facing difficulties and trials that that nobody really knows about except those who are closest to you. And you're here this morning because you're doing your best to try to find Jesus. You're doing your best this morning to try to reach out and touch the hem of His garment and to put yourself in a place where where maybe God can speak an answer to your question or healing to your hurt or, or, or salvation to your lost state of your soul. This morning, can I tell you that the most important thing that we can do is search for Jesus. Amen. Jairus didn't know what Jesus was going to do. He only knew that Jesus was the only person that had an answer to his question and he was searching for Jesus. One of the things I love about this story is that all three of the Gospels that record it also record that in the middle of Jairus' request, and I read it for a purpose, we see this woman with the issue of blood push her way to Jesus and touch Him. And we see her healed of her infirmity. And just as she is healed, while he is yet speaking, he gets the word, your daughter's dead. It reminds me of those of us that it seems like something always gets in the way of your touch from God. You've been praying, you've been searching, You need God to desperately do something in your life. You know He's the only one that can do it. You've exhausted all other possible means. And it seems like everybody else is getting a touch from God and it's too late for you. Can I tell you, there are some things that do get in our way. There are some things that keep us from from touching the Lord, if you will, or from Him touching us. There are things in our lives that we need to be very careful about not to allow us to distance us from the Lord. Sometimes there are things in our own life that come first. I believe the majority of the people in the church that are blood-bought, born-again Christians often don't experience the love and the fullness of God because they've got a few things that come first. God is fairly important in my life. I know that I know that He's worthy of my love. I know He's worthy of my service. But if we're not careful, we'll find that there are some other things that tend to come first 
when it's choose between this and choose between my service to the Lord. And I've watched it for ten years. People that are saying, I, I don't have the peace, I don't have the joy, I don't have the hope. I don't have these things that, that I know the Bible says God has given me. And, and I see other brothers and sisters living in that fullness of God. And it just seems that they've got this walk that, that I don't have. And nine times out of ten, when I get down to where they're living, you find there's something else that is between them and the Lord that they don't want to get rid of. Can I tell you, though, that when Jesus comes, Miracles happen. Broken hearts get healed. Lost souls get saved. Darkness turns to light and despair turns to joy. There is nothing more important in your life this morning than getting that thing out of the way that's keeping you from Jesus. He is the answer to your every need this morning. He is God's answer to your problems. Jairus comes and he's actually searching and he sees this woman. She gets in the way. And she gets healed. And he finds out that his daughter has died. I want to ask you this morning, what do you do when it seems like it's too late? What do you do when what you've been praying for What you've been believing God for just seems to crumble. And she's dead. And everybody else is saying, Jairus, don't bother the Lord. He's got other things to do. It's too late for you. What do you do when it seems too late? Can I ask you this morning, have you given up hope about that one thing in your life? Have you already decided that because of my circumstances and, and, and the people in my life and, and, and the place I have to live and, and, and the things I have to be around, I'll just never be on fire for God. I'll just never impact this world for Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to have to barely make it the rest of my life. And, and I just can't wait till He comes home to, to take me out of this place so that I'm out of this misery. Have you accepted defeat this morning in any area of your life? What do you do when it seems too late? When it seems like your marriage is over? When it seems like all hope is lost? When it seems like you've done so much and you've gone so far that there's no way God could ever forgive you of that thing again. You have fallen over again and again and again. And somewhere down the line, you just made up your mind, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to serve God like I should. I'm never going to make a difference on this side of eternity. What do you do in that place? It's a hard place to be. And I know this one thing about God. He takes every one of us there. You will be there. And what it was for Jairus, it might be something different for you. 
Jesus took all of His disciples there for three days as they hid and in fear for He had died and He was gone and what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. I want you to know He takes us there. And I know this morning that when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to a lot of you, there's something in your life that you have just decided it's done. It's never going to happen. I've prayed till I was blue in the face. I've spent hours on this thing. I've asked God to move. I've believed by faith. And it is too late, Joplin. She is dead. Can I tell you, don't listen to yourself. Don't listen to the people. Listen to the Lord. Jesus knew what He was doing. Jesus allowed the situation to play itself out the way that it did. And He says to her this, or to her father this, Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. This morning you just need to believe God. You know, I know that it's a lot easier said than done. I know that when you look at me, the majority of you, you think that as a pastor I don't struggle with the same struggles you struggle with, that I'm always just on fire for God, that I don't ever battle fear and worry and doubt, but you're wrong. I'm a man just like you. I'm a human being. And I know what it is to be in that place. And I know that it's harder to actually do it than to just say it. But in my ten years of serving the Lord, I have found that when you come to that place, and it seems like all hope is lost, and it seems like it's too late Just give up on it. Just accept defeat. That if you'll keep moving forward and you'll keep believing the Word of God, and even though you can't see it, and even though it doesn't make sense, somehow, someway, I'm going to believe You, Lord, that You can take all things and work them out for my good. That You are in control of all things at all times. And I will just keep serving You. And I will just keep walking. And I will just go where You tell me to go. And Lord, I will believe You with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind. And I have found that as you just keep walking, eventually Jesus shows up and He touches you and He comes to your house and there is healing in the house when He's in the house. This morning, don't give up hope on whatever your circumstance is. Maybe it's a family member you want to be saved. Maybe your heart is wounded and it's hurt from something that's happened to you in your past. Whatever it is, know this, that Jesus can do anything. We cannot miss the importance of verse 50. Do not be afraid, only believe. I don't understand. I don't understand how God knows our prayers and our thoughts before we ever speak, and yet He asks us to pray. I don't understand how if He 
having all sovereign power and can do all things, yet why He decides to let you and I play any role in it at all. But I know this one thing. He does and He says so. Those two words are the entire key this morning. Only believe. Only believe. Only is an important word. It means there's nothing else you have to do. Just this one thing. Only believe. This morning, you need to believe God. You need to believe that He's able. You need to believe that He can do above and abundantly beyond all that you could ever ask or even imagine. You need to believe that He's never, leave, he's never left you. He's never going to forsake you. You need to believe that He has plans for you, a plan for your life to prosper you. That He loves you with an unfailing love. You need to believe that if you'll seek Him and search for Him, that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You just need to believe Him and keep moving forward this morning. It is the key. It is so much easier for us to allow our circumstances and what we see to dictate to us truth. When I pray for God's move in this situation and in this circumstance, and, and I'm looking around and, then I, and it seems like the people I'm praying for are only getting worse, and they're only getting harder, and they're only getting colder. I've got to believe that God answers my prayers, that He hears me, and that He is working, and that He is doing what He promises to do. When I'm praying for God to move in this area of my life or this area of my life, and it seems like I'm not getting anywhere, I must believe by faith that, Lord, You hear me and You're working and You're doing exactly what You say You will do. Yes. Only believe. And when we begin to break down in our belief of God, His character, and His Word, when we begin to doubt and we begin to fear, we find ourselves in a dangerous place. Because the key here was only belief. This morning you might say, Pastor, you don't know my circumstance. I've been praying for this thing for 20 years. I've tried this. I've tried this. And I've tried. And I've went about it this way. And I've went about it this way. Everything I try fails. Only belief. Believe on Him to do the work. Just believe Him. You don't have to do it this morning. You just need to believe Him and keep moving in the direction that He tells you to go. He's the one that will do the work. What do you do when it seems too late? Only believe. In verse 51, the Bible says, when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. And then he put them all outside. This is an important part of this passage. First of all, in this particular 
culture, there were actually people that you could pay to mourn for you and your family when somebody died. They were professional mourners. And they would come and they would weep and they would wail. They would rip their clothes and they would just throw a fit mourning on behalf of your loss. These are the type of people, no doubt, that are here. For Jairus was a ruler. He was a man of great wealth. And I want you to think about just a moment. It says they ridiculed him. That word ridicule is also a word that deals with humor and laughter. Some versions actually say that they laughed at him. I don't know how to put it into words, what's running through my mind, but the emptiness of man's help. You've got these people here that are mourning because they're paid to mourn. And the moment that Jesus speaks an answer into the situation, their mourning turns to laughter. And they're ridiculing him. They're laughing at him. They're saying, There's, what, you're crazy. You're insane. She's already dead. But here's the point that I want to make this morning. Jesus doesn't let them come in. He put all of them outside. Why? Why? Because there are times in your life when you've got to get the unbelief out the door. And if you want God to touch, and if you want God to move, you're going to have to get unbelief outside, close that door on it, and just get belief in the house. This same story is found in Mark chapter 5. And when you read on just a few more passages in Mark chapter 6, we find that Jesus Himself could not perform many miracles among the people. Because of their unbelief. You find the same statement in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58. We must learn to get unbelief out of our life. There's a delicate balance of learning how to reach the world for the cause of Christ, to evangelize the gospel. Learning how to be in the world, but not of the world. There are some Christians that take the absolute wrong approach of complete, total retreat into the recluse of a safe cave where they have no influence on the world and they're just in their own little pocket of people always trying to to be spiritual and talk spiritual and act spiritual, but there's very little evangelism about their life. We need to be preaching to this lost and dying world. And if I'm not somewhere amongst them, if I'm not in a place where I can speak to them and preach the Word to them and and show them the love of God in the life that I live, I'm not where God wants me to be. At the same time, we cannot be having fellowship, deep, intimate friendship with unbelievers. One of the worst things you can do for your Christian life is put yourself around a bunch of unbelief. 
This is one of the reasons that so many young Christians, especially in the high school and, and college uh, pocket, fail miserably at their faith because they surround themselves with unbelief. If you want a move of God in your life, if you want the touch of heaven, if you want Him in the house, if you will, doing what only He can, you're going to have to get the unbelief out. This is true in our home. This is true in my life. This is true in the church. Are you influenced by unbelief this morning? Are there a lot of people in your life are continually... And I want you to really honestly evaluate what I'm asking you this morning. I don't just mean hardcore atheists that are calling you an idiot and telling you that your faith is useless. But I'm talking about when you get right down to it, people that really don't believe God. They might even say they do, but you look at the way they live, they don't believe God. They ridicule the power of God. They ridicule the, 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 uh, the, 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 the idea that there's such a thing as a changed life. This morning we must get unbelief out of the house. Jesus has a work to do. He has a work to do in your life. He has a work to do in your home. He has a work to do in this church. And we must learn to push out the unbelief and get it away from us. Jairus has a problem. And he comes to Jesus searching for an answer. He hears that it's too late. But Jesus says, only believe. And they show up at the house and everybody's weeping. Jesus gets all the unbelief out of the house. He goes in with three of His disciples, the father and the mother. The Bible says after He had put them all outside, He took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately. And He commanded that she be given something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but He charged them to tell no one what had happened. Can I tell you this morning, this is not a fable. It is not a parable. This is a real event in history. Our Lord has the ability to do the impossible. You've got to believe that this morning. It might be impossible for you, but what's impossible for us is not impossible for God. And when He is in the house, there's healing. When He is in the house, there's hope. This morning, is He in the house? There's nothing we need more than simply to have Jesus come into the house. Lord, come into this place. Shine light into the darkness. Turn despair into joy. 
Death flees in the presence of the Lord when He's in the house. Is He in your house this morning? I want to share with you three places that Jesus needs to live. Three houses, if you will. Because when He's in the house, your hurt turns to healing. Your despair will turn to hope. Death will give way to life. Darkness will turn to light. Your sadness into joy. Anxiety turns to peace. And fear turns to faith. And miracles happen when He's in the house. There are three houses He should reign in. First of all, the home. The home. You have heard it said before, I'm sure. Would Jesus really be welcome in your home? And if He was to come over, would, would there be a lot of things that you'd want to clean out before He come over so that He wouldn't see? It's kind of a strange analogy, but sometimes it helps to think of our home that way. Because the reality is, if you're a blood-bought, born-again child of God, He is there. He is in your home. You see, He promised to never leave you or forsake you. And wherever you are, He goes with you. Is He in your home? This is so simple, I'm afraid that we'll miss it. I've did endless hours of, of marriage counseling and helping people over the last ten years. Can I tell you, it's as simple as you just need Jesus in your home. That's what you need. You need to open up the door and let Him in. There's a lot of people here this morning that Jesus kind of plays a role in your life a, a little bit over here. And you definitely, Sunday's His day and and you've got some religious friends that you really like to encourage yourself with and, and try to talk about Jesus with. But there's a lot of other areas in your life that if somebody was camcording the thing, Jesus would be absent. And your home is one of them. This morning, you need Him in the home. You need to let Him in. You need to only believe that if I open the doors and I trust You, good Lord, and I serve You, You're going to meet this need. You're going to do this thing. You're going to heal this. You're going to meet this. You're going to do this thing that only You can do. He needs to be in the home this morning. The second place He needs to be is in the church. When He's in the house, there's hope. He needs to be here this morning. And I believe that He is. But what good is coming together if we're not meeting with Him? If I'm not expecting Him to move and to touch and to save souls, to meet needs, to heal the brokenhearted, to do what only He can, why in the world would I show up? Is He in the house? Lord, we need You this morning. We need You to touch us. We need You to heal us. We need You to give hope. We need You to open the eyes of our blinded hearts to see what only You can do. We need You to help us believe. We need to cry out as that man did, Lord, we do believe, but help us with our unbelief. Man, we just need Jesus in the house. 
to do what only He can. We're so self-sufficient most of the time. We need Him here this morning. Amen? Amen. You know, the other place that He needs to be is in the house of each and every individual. I told you that walking by faith is not always easy. And saying some of the things I say is a lot easier to say it than it is to do it. But He's supposed to be in this house. He doesn't live anymore in tents made by man, but He lives in the heart of man. And if He lives in me, shouldn't there be healing? Shouldn't there be hope? Shouldn't there be peace and shouldn't there be joy? You see, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I ask you this morning, do you walk around with a broken heart all the time? Where's the healing? Do you walk around discouraged all the time? Negative all the time? Always wondering. We all know that person in our life, you know, that's just always, everything is negative. The glass is always half empty. And if you look at it hard enough, it's really not even half empty. It's more like just, there's only a quarter in the glass. Where's the hope? Do you walk around with anxiety all the time? Where's the peace? Now listen to me, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to beat you over the head with the Bible. But I am trying to cause you to think and ask yourself, is He in the house? Where's the peace? Where's the healing? Where's the hope? Where's the joy? Because when He's in the house and He has the freedom to reign and to move and do what He wants, and when you move out the unbelief, there's peace and joy in the presence of God. Amen. There's victory in Jesus. Do you have the victory this morning? Is He in the house this morning? In a lot of ways, we are all like this girl. Dead in our sins and hopeless without Christ. This morning, if you don't know Him, you might think you're alive, but you're not. You'll never really know life until the giver of life gives it to you. I spent 20 years of my life thinking that I knew what life was. And just like everybody else, I pretended to be happy. I pretended to have hope. I pretended that I enjoyed my life. But the reality is, just like everyone else, I continued to have thoughts run through my mind in the darkness of night. Is this all that there really is to life? This is meaningless, pointless, empty. And I thought that I knew what life was. But in that January of 2000, when I met the giver of life, 
And He caused me to be born again. For the first time in 20 years, I could say I was really alive. And I want you to know something. He entered this house. And I wasn't perfect. I was a little overzealous. I had very little wisdom. I didn't know much about the Word of God. But there was something different in me. I had been born again. And when He is in the house, people will know. People will hear about it. All of us are like this little girl. Without hope if Jesus doesn't touch us. Lost and undone. Looking to relationships to fill this empty void in our life. Thinking that we can't be happy without a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or more children or less children for some of us. Or a vehicle or a newer home. These things we think fill us. But they don't. Because He alone is the giver of life. And I ask you this morning, do you really know Him? I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you go to this church. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm asking you this morning, has the giver of life come in and moved in your heart and caused you to be born again? Is He in the house this morning because there's peace and hope and healing when He's in the house? Do you know Him this morning? Do you know Him? We are all like that little girl. How how do I experience Jesus, Joplin? Pastor, how do I experience His love? I'll ask our worship team to go ahead and come. Can I tell you it's done by faith? I already said it once earlier this morning. It's really hard to try to explain the deep truths of God. Because they're so simple, yet we make them so complicated. You know, there's nothing you need to do in the sense of this thing and that thing and go to church this many times and then be baptized and then say this thing. You just need to believe. Believe Jesus. He said only believe. This morning, do you want to be healed of your broken heart and the pain that's ravaged your heart and your mind for years? Do you want your anxiety to turn to joy? Do you want your despair to turn to hope? Just let Him in the house. Just believe Him this morning. Take that step of faith and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I know that it seems too late. I know that it seems like all hope is gone and that hope is lost. But I believe you. You can do this thing in my family. You can do this thing in my life. You can do this thing with my lost loved ones or whatever the need is in your life. I believe You, God. And I will by faith walk with You and serve You. The key is simply letting Him in the house.
Man, it's that simple. It's that simple. Let him in the house this morning. Get the unbelief out the door. And just let him in the house.